You Can Sit With Us Podcast with Lexi B. Natalie is the exited CEO and co-founder of Expectful, a women's health and wellness company, and has over 15 years of leadership experience in digital e-commerce and retail. She achieved incredible results in her 28 months at Expectful, concluding in the sale of Expectful to Babylist, the leading vertical marketplace for baby. In her time at Expectful, she led a team of 50 employees, contractors, and medical providers, doubled revenue, built a cult following brand with 175,000 followers on Instagram, and 125 plus press mentions. Before Expectful, she gained valuable insights from leadership roles at Airbnb, Google Shopping, and eBay. Natalie thrives in both the earliest stage of business conception and executive leadership. She was the most recently the VP of Brand and Social Impact at Babylist. She continues to serve Babylist as a board advisor. You can sit with us podcast with Lexi B. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's so wonderful to talk with you. It's been a long time. It has. It has been a long time and I've known you for a while. So what is in your coffee cup? What are you drinking with us today? I am drinking the best tea on earth. It is hearty and fun. <laughs> Cinnamon spice tea. Uh, it tastes like Christmas in a cup. I drink about six bags a day. It is phenomenal. You got to try it. Is there hints of orange in this tea? Yes. Orange, clove, cinnamon. It's phenomenal. Okay. I asked because I was in Warsaw, Poland. This is 2019 before the world shut down. Um, November 2019. Don't ask me why I decided to go to East Europe in the middle of winter. Separate conversation. But I was in Warsaw, Poland, and they have this tea called Polish winter tea. And it's like cinnamon and cloves and oranges. And I fell in love. And I tell people it's like Christmas in a cup. And that's what it sounds like. Yeah, you need to try. It's Harney and Sons. Like it's on. Uh, I've been ordering a bag uh, that's delivered every month for the last four years. Oh my god. Okay. So I'm going to definitely research this and get into this because I love a good cup of tea. And where are your people from, and how has that shaped you? Yeah, I mean that's such a an interesting question. It's something that my husband and I we face often because we have a an almost four year old and the school often does International Day where you're supposed to dress your child up as their ancestors. And as a black person, I, I, I don't know how to really answer that question because I, I, I don't. Uh, my response to that day is like, do we dress our child up like from, like from Wakanda? Or, you know, do we dress our child up as a slave? Uh, like it, it really it bothers us that we're pressed to come up with an answer for that. Um, so, I mean, I grew up in New Jersey and to most of my grandparents grew up in the South, in Georgia. Um, but I probably only know back until the 1800s. And, uh, you know, we, my, my, we were slaves. Um, so that that's as far as I go back um, in terms of my roots. I'm glad you talked about that, being a Black woman, but then also being a Black parent. And having to explain this to your baby... I mean, he's four years old, so I don't know if he's asking directly this question right now, but the fact that other people are asking for him and you as a parent are like, well, this got interesting. <laughs> and how do we have this conversation, even though the kiddo has yet to bring it up? Someone has brought it to our kitchen table. And um, I want to honor that because I remember as 
a black American kid, I brought it up a lot. I remember my first day of going to kindergarten and they said everyone dress up as their ancestor. And I remember going home to my parents and I was like, I have to dress up as my ancestor. And my parents were like, wait, what? And, you know, I come from militant parents. They were also the same parents who went to school the next day and spoke to the headmaster about the layers to that. And they were like, we have no problem talking about enslavement to our child. But um, do you have a problem bringing it up to the whole kindergarten class of this white school? You know, my mom was like, we can just blow it up now. Like all these little kids in this Montessori school can learn about it. Harry Tubman for life. But um, things to think about that I think a lot of people who are not in our position don't have to think about as far as raising children. So, yeah, it's a lot. So what did he dress up as? He just went to school in his clothes. I mean, yeah, and I think they gave him an American flag, um, which, I mean, I guess that is probably true. Like, we are America. We are the Americans. We are, you, it doesn't really get more American than us. Did he have any questions about that? You know, not yet. Um, okay, so he was cool. <laughs> but it's okay. It's gonna come though. <laughs> year, I think next year. He's he's still three. He's not quite yet four. Next year, it's gonna come up for sure, and we're gonna have to have a deeper conversation. But you know, that it's just with race. Like it's not something we, we've had several racial incidents um, happen in his, his schooling, starting at age two. And it just like it is so upsetting to see what is going to ha- what what black boys face. Um, I mean, at at two, he's being singled out, and um, yeah. So parenting a black child uh, has been really challenging because it feels like nothing has changed in my, you know, the 80s or the 90s, like nothing's changed. Very little, at least from what I'm seeing. It's like my child is experiencing the same challenges that I face. But the good news is that he has wonderful parents. Yes. And strong parents. He does. Um, That's all that we can ask for. So you are a a CEO, co-founder. You've worked in large organizations before. And what I want to talk to you today about is the difference between something that is very scary and something that is very dangerous. And so my first question to you is how do you define that? Let's let's define something in your career that is scary versus something that is dangerous. How are these two words actually different from a professional lens? Yeah, I mean, it's such a great question. So in 2020, prior to 2020, I had spent well over a decade in big tech corporations. I was at Google, Airbnb, and eBay. And doing really well in those companies but I always I, I wanted something more for myself like I think as a black person in these organizations you're often stifled by your environment and I'm like I know I could do a lot more um and maybe entrepreneurship is my way of figuring that out but I'm a risk averse person and in 2020 I I had a or in very late 2019 I had my my son um, and so leaving this safe world where you're guaranteed a paycheck, um, although I think in the last year or so that's it's less safe, but at the time, something that was seen as a very safe world to try something on your own, a lot of people would say, oh, this is dangerous. Like you, you might not be able to provide for your child or you might, you might lose your job and not find another one. Um, and when I started to look under the hood, I realized that that was completely false. Like I think that most people that have been in 
corporations and have done relatively well. I mean, not ever if you're a poor performer, then, you know, this is not advice for you. But if you've gotten to a certain place in life, what I realized was that if I were to take a risk and start something new or try something on my own, that the worst thing that would happen to me was I would be exactly where I was in that moment, which was like a great job at a great tech company. And that's like not a bad place to be. And so rather than thinking that what I was doing was dangerous, I realized, oh, you know what? It's just scary. Like it is scary to think I might leave uh, a great tech company and I might be unemployed for a few months, but it's okay because I can fall back on where I am today. And I think what was even more helpful was realizing is that I've had this burning desire in my heart to really live to my fullest potential for a very long time. <laughs> um, and I wasn't getting, I was able to accomplish that in large tech company. And I realized what actually is dangerous is that I just sit where I am today. I keep following this path that's not my own. And that 20 years from now, I wake up and I say, oh man, like I never bet on myself. Um, and I can't go back in time and change that. This is just where I am. And so that's actually what's dangerous is like wasting your life is dangerous, but trying something and failing, it's just scary, but you can recover. So what I hear from you, I think, is that what you're saying is the dangerous route, it's the regret route. It is. And not many people, to my knowledge, have regretted trying and still failing. If, you know, worst case scenario, you fail, they don't regret the try. That is... 100% true. They don't regret the try. And for me, as someone who's like, I, I really did feel held back in corporate world. Like um, when I became, uh, I took over my company, which is called Expectful. It was in the um, women's health and wellness space. It was just so clear that within a couple of weeks, I was like, this was 100% the right decision. So I went on to raise a 4.2 million seed round in my first 90 days on the job. From start to finish, from when I went out for my first pitch, I went out on election day, had a term sheet by Thanksgiving. Um, I doubled our revenue uh, in my first six months. I uh, was featured in the press 120 times, like with features in Forbes, Fortune, Entrepreneur, you name it. And it was all because like I bet on myself and I had this fire inside of me and I just finally said, okay, you go do you without the restrictions of the corporate world of the, without a boss and see what happens. And I found that it was actually the most liberating thing I could have ever done. So take me back pre starting this company. I want to know more about And you said in your own words, you said at work and you were like, I could be doing something bigger. Let's go deeper into that. Cause I feel like a lot of people feel that whether it's like, I can be doing something bigger than what I'm doing now, or whether it's just like, I just don't like what I'm doing. What were the steps that you took to kind of identify what the next step is in that mindset? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So, I mean, I took a, a lot of steps. One is for many years, I reframed, like I, I won't mention the exact tech company, but like I was at a big tech company that was incredibly comfortable. And I would reframe it like I'm in a place where like I, I don't feel like I'm my full potential is being utilized. Beginning like I would put my hand up for assignments. I would even take the assignments. And after I do them like really well, I would do them so well that they'd get taken away from me to create work streams for other people. Uh, so like that's the kind of, uh, you know, restlessness I had. So I, for many years, I even reframed it like, Natalie, it's okay. You can just, you can, 
use this year to save up money and like let's come up with goals that are outside of work like let's uh, run a marathon which I did and so like rather than focusing on just putting all my energy to work I focused it on myself which is like a, a good thing at some point in your life but you know there's a time and place where that gets old where it's like you actually want to see what you're capable of and and so yeah for me it just looks like you know not being in the top five percent of your company quarter or cycle after cycle like not getting a promotion or not being able to find a new job because it's like either you're restricted by there's like one out of a hundred people are going to get a promotion or maybe it's like your boss on top of you is just mediocre and like that's the luck of the draw. And like after a certain point, you kind of just question yourself thinking like, I was put on earth to do something and I'm pretty darn sure it was not this. Um, and like after you just keep listening to that voice and I start encouraging it, you think, how do you find what's next? And so uh, ultimately I decided like time to go from a bigger tech company to a smaller tech company, um, which I did. But I still I still had that, you know, it's it, just was different change of scenery, like ultimately still had the same feeling. And so what I started to do, and this is something that anyone can do, is I became an advisor. So um, I'm pretty good at business development. Uh, that's what I've spent most of my career um, doing, business development, product partnerships, product. I found this opportunity. I found a company called Expectable, um, which was a meditation and mindfulness app for pregnancy. And I had just used this. And I saw that they were looking for a business development lead. Um, and while I was, I remember saying to myself, I would never leave my like high paying job to to work at like a pre-seed company in this role. But I said to myself, um, I think I could do the job that they're looking for in a couple hours a week. And like I could do just the same amount. And so I pitched myself to the founder. I said, look, like here's all my experience. Like I think Rather than you spend someone on a headcount, just bring me on as an advisor. I can get the same work about that. Uh, and I did. Like within a couple of weeks, I signed a massive partnership for them. Um, and that advisory role actually led me to becoming the co-founder and CEO of the company and taking it over. And when I tell people that story, I often hear, oh, this is so common. Like a lot of people and join the entrepreneurial router the co-founder CEO role or the CEO role or leadership role at a startup through becoming an advisor. And so it was like, I created my own opportunity by putting myself out there. And so anyone that's feeling stuck and they're like, I, maybe it's like you want to give uh, clean tech a try or like, you know, you want to do work in an industry that you've never had before. You can pitch an opportunity for yourself. And then like as a test, um, round like give it a couple hours a week and then you know see see where it goes that's that's my advice is see where it goes how did you find this opportunity let's get like into tactical stuff did you know someone who knew someone was it on a craigslist ad i don't know but how did you even because it sounds like you were at your company like you said you were like i can do more and more importantly i want to do more um, I do not want to have that regret. So you were seeking, you were looking, you were seeking. How did this particular advisory role come up? So a friend of mine, or not even like someone, an acquaintance posted um, that this job or that that Expectful was looking for a business development person. And so I knew, and, and she was an investor in the company. 
And so I reached out to her and said, like, I'm not interested in the role, but like, I'd love to talk to them. So it was really like, here's a job post. That's what it was. It was a job post that someone shared. And I was like, this is interesting enough. And I was just in the mind frame of like, I want to be on a board. I want to create advisory opportunities. And so I, I literally just, it was a job post. And I was like, had a conversation with the founder. And in that conversation, I sold myself. That's amazing because what it sounds like is that we live in a world where we do things by the book. You go to school because your parents say go to school and then you graduate from preschool and you go to elementary slash primary school and then you graduate and then you go to, you know what I mean? And then many people go to college. Some don't, which is totally fine, but many do. And so we always have this path and then you go to college and then it's like, okay, so what's next? What, what you're doing? You now have all the tools to be successful, which, by the way, is a complete lie. But that's what they tell us. And you start you start adulting. And what I love about your story is that at some point in your adulting journey, you said, wait a minute, um, I'm going to have to make some very interesting moves that are not part of the usual path in order to build the life that I want. Who, if there was a person or a group of people in your life who really supported this because I would find it very, very interesting if this was just like you in your apartment alone being like, I'm going to go shoot for something that's not even there yet, um, which even sounds a little bit scarier. But were there people where you're surrounding yourself with people that were like, yes, go shoot the half court basket. Like, forget this, go shoot it. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. In fact, I'd say actually like it, it was probably more the opposite or like close family was anti doing this. They were more like, oh no, follow the rules. Like this doesn't make sense. Say collect that paycheck. Um, And I'd say where I found the inspiration from was I've always from a young age just surrounded, tried to gravitate towards people that are doing cooler things than me and like ingesting everything that they do. So uh, here's an example. Uh, In eighth grade, I was lucky enough to travel abroad for the summer. I, um, was like I did they do these things called teen tours and I went to Spain where I let's say I learned Spanish it was really more like (laughs) I mean I I was 13 but like I you know traveling around Spain it was an amazing experience but on that experience there happened to be a bunch of kids from the Upper East Side in New York and they went to this thing called boarding schools and like they just seemed really smart and refined and like rich and like I just loved what they had and I was like oh what is this concept and so like I went home after that summer and I looked into it and I was like oh I like what they're serving up at these boarding schools like you know just like people getting into the best colleges like they have every sport that you could want and so like I pitched my parents later to like that what after I got home to send me to boarding school and so like that was the first step of like, okay, I'm taking myself. I mean, I wasn't in a bad surrounding by any means. I was just like in a private school in New Jersey, but like I set myself, I saw an opportunity. I put myself in like the best of the best because although I would say now it's not, I don't view them to be the best of the best, but like at the time, you know, people would view a, a boarding school. I went to Hotchkiss to be like a great place to learn. And so I would constantly surrounding myself with like people that I think are doing cool things and that are living in different ways. And to really answer your question of like how I got to fall on this unique path is I just started following people that I liked. Like I love Bozma St. John. 
Um, like I like Eva Chen from Instagram or Raisa Girona. And like all of these people I saw were paving their paths as they were like successful in a big company and they were doing their thing on the side or like they, they're people that were building their own company. And I just started to really think like, okay, there is another way. I don't exactly know the way for me or what that's going to look like, but I can I can figure it out because other people are doing it. And so I think just finding what is aspirational, putting yourself in that space can help you get to where you want to go. And it also sounds like this idea of being a lifelong learner. Um, the beautiful thing about the internet, one of the beautiful things about social media is that you can learn from these people in real time without actually ever talking to them. Um, they are very transparent about the things that they're doing. Now, they may not show you like the underground sauce of it all. They may not, you know, do an Instagram live that like 9 p.m. meeting, but you can actually at least learn enough to be inspired and encouraged to do some really dope things or or to think about your non-traditional way of living your life. That's what it sounds like. That's exactly what it is. I mean, people reach out to me all the time. They're like, can you mentor me or you know, there's this big talk on mentorship. And I, I, I try to share a lot on Instagram. Um, I'm going to come out with a newsletter in the new year. Uh, so like I, I share my learnings. But here's the thing is like, you actually don't need a formal mentor. Like you can just follow people and get everything you need to know. Like you can read the books. Um, like Naval Ravikant's book is like a life changer. Just you know, do the work on your own and you can, you can build the foundation for yourself. It's not, someone doesn't need to say like, tap you on the shoulder and say, here's the path. In fact, no one is going to do that. It's like, it's up for you to find and, and, uh, do the research and find inspiration on your own. And eventually if you are really committed, you will find that path. So what was the scariest part about this new journey for you with Expectful? When you decided to say, okay, I'm no longer an advisor. I'm now a co-founder. Real talk, what was the scariest part of that transition? I think the scariest part is something that corporations really don't prepare you for. And that is like in corporations, you have to stay in your own lane. So, for example, I was BizDev, um, product partnerships, which meant at that up and top point in my career, I'd only hired BizDev product partnerships people. And in a leadership role where you're leading a company, I realized like, okay, you have to hire a marketing. I had never done performance marketing before. And like how you hire a marketer, so different than a biz dev. Uh, eventually like was looking at hiring CTOs. That's a whole other thing. But then like have to hire someone to do our taxes, our, you know, payroll, like everything that it's, it's just, I was really frustrated at how people think that like, okay, I'm going to work at any tech company for a certain time and stay in this function and like that is my lead but it really disables like your ability to learn like I, I think that it's probably the most heinous environment because you just like I mean if, that, if that's what you want to do for your whole life great but if you like want to be if you want to know how to do other functions it is it's really damaging and so I had to quickly drink from the fire hose and learn how do I do everything outside of what I've been doing for the last 15 years. Um, and it's like a good thing that what I had been doing for the last 15 years was uh, like selling and building partnerships because that, that's an important skill. But like there were many other skills I didn't have. So how did you learn those skills? I mean, I am a lifelong learner. Um, and I mean, I, I'd say like 
I wouldn't even say in my MBA, it would been that helpful. It was really like finding great advisors. One of my best, the best purchases that I made um, as a founder was like I hired a product coach and it was, I'm not even going to name this person's fee. It was so exorbitant. And if you were to hear this, you'd be like, holy moly, I need to quit my job and do what this guy is doing because he made so much money. And when I told our board, I was like, yes, I have hired a product coach. <laughs> like, this is the cost. But it was a life-changing experience. I only worked with this person for like a couple of months. And he totally reframed how I thought about managing a, a mobile app product and how to work with my engineers and how to analyze our data. Um, and to a point that the investment re- more than recouped itself because it had such meaningful impact in the business and the bottom line because of how he trained me how to think differently. And so, yeah, like in these roles, you're not going to know how to do, like, I don't know how to do 90% of my job, but I have access to the people that are going to show me how, like I have access to the best people. I mean, I expect, well, it's a mobile app, but it was, it was like a content app where we were doing sound recording with like sound bowls, but also voice talent. And it's like, you the skill that you need to know is how to manage, how to sell. And if you've got, if you have those, I think, and you can find the right people to teach you, you're sad. So what I hear is that this man was extremely expensive and the price tag when it got to the board probably had a lot of, um, excuse me, um, WTF moments, but it was worth it. And so I think that brings me to my next point of let's discuss what it looks like investing in yourself, even if the price tag is a little bit scary. Like if you can't afford the price tag, I'm not telling people to go pay for it, right? If you have $80 to spend and it's 270, you don't got it. We got to find something else. But talk me more about this idea of actually financially investing in yourself when you want to take this route that's never been taken, the importance of that. Yeah. I mean, I'd say the best thing that you can do is like, is save. I mean, I, I, and be thoughtful about it. Like I probably spent a couple of year, more years than I would have liked to in big tech. Um, I, I mean, I, at this point I, when I was there, I didn't know that I would be a founder, but like I created optionality for myself. Um, so like if you're earlier in your career, I, my best advice is like create those options. Don't, don't give in to like lifestyle creep, like keep your expenses low. I don't own a house. Um, I mean, and it's not because I can't own a house, but it's like a part of the reason I don't own a house is because I wanted flexibility. Like I wanted flexibility if I wanted to move to Paris, which is actually something I really want to do. And, you know, right now, but, but it's just like, think about, you know, creating optionality for you to have the most options later in life. And so that's what I'd say investing in yourself looks like. And I mean, now that during the founder journey, it also requires investing in yourself. And like, I spend a lot investing in myself. I mean, from the food, like, especially, I mean, I'm a a mother, um, like, and and an executive, like, I don't have time to feed myself. Um, I don't, I don't know how to cook. (laughs) I mean, I can't, I know I don't know how to cook. So like, I have meal deliveries, like I have people to clean my house. Um, I have uh, help to help drive my child to and from school because I don't can't spend an hour in traffic. I have a lot of mental health, health, uh, mental health help, like a therapist. 
Um, and that like, and on top of that, it's like doing um, the Vipassana retreats. And it's like, I'm constantly investing in myself. But if there's like one thing, an area where you can invest in yourself and get invest in and get outside returns, I really do believe it's yourself. Like, you know, I spend the money on help because my time is really valuable. Um, it's like, you got to think like, what is your hourly rate? Um, of in time and hiring someone to like clean my kitchen is is much more like my time is better spent somewhere else and so like developing that mentality so you have time to think about what's important to you but also just like um you know think invest in in the areas where you are or you have greater output um that, that's something i would recommend. I had a a mentor tell me very early on in my career. So way before I had the money to hire someone to clean my house. Um, so I remember when she said it, I was like, okay, you just sound rich. But now that I am older and wiser, it, it kind of clicks. Right. And she looked at me one day at work. This is clearly a long time pre-COVID. And she said, you have to figure out what you're really good at. And do that. And there are a lot of things in your life that you can do um, and that will get done if you do them. But if you could outsource that to someone else, if you could afford to outsource that to someone else, they can do that for you. They may do a better job while you go do what you're good at. And of course, at 22, um, with student debt, six months out of college, you know, just trying to make it on 80 grand a year, which is not a lot of money in the Bay Area. Um, I didn't understand it. And then as I got older and made more money, it all clicked. And that's what you're talking about is this concept of outsourcing, not because you're trying to show off, but legit understanding that your time is more valuable than money. And if you could save more time to do what you're really, really good at, you can actually make more money. Oh, uh, yes. That, yes. If I was not as succinct as you, that is exactly what I meant. Is that it's, um, refine those areas of, of uh, things that you're, you're not good at that really, you know, maybe they cost $20 an hour. Maybe they cost even $100 an hour. But if you can find someone to do it who enjoys doing it, it's just like also your mental health. I mean, as a, as a mom, like I have really limited hours in the day, like super limited hours. I just have to think like, what is going to give me joy and focus on that? And I say it is a privilege, but it's also a necessity. Um, like I wouldn't be able to get the, I wouldn't be able to deliver the kind of output that I did that I do if I didn't have that mentality. And so for someone who's like, do I invest in this now? I would say yes. Like there's a time where you just have to start investing yourself before you start seeing the returns. Um, but eventually, I, I do believe that investing yourself always leads to, um, you know, outsized returns. So here's my final question for you: Was the decision to leave your stable job? I know um, I do not know your family, but I can only imagine when you were thinking about this. And you were telling your family, I'm sure I could hear some things, you know, from Black American, like, girl, you better keep that stable paycheck, right? I can hear that now at the dinner table on Sunday, right? <laughs> um, but you did it. You took the leap. You took the scary road, not the dangerous road. Was it worth it and why? Oh, my God. I've never been. It, this has been the most fulfilling and 
fantastic mm-hmm. journey I've ever been on. It's also been the hardest too. Like it has been hard, um, hard mentally. Um, not like, I mean, I, in terms of hours works, um, like when I, when my son was, I don't know, he was eight months old and I was fundraising, spending 80 hours a week fundraising, t- taking meetings with like London at 5 a.m. and then ending the day talking to people in Singapore. Um, there's a ton of rejection. There's a lot, there's a lot of customer complaints, like a lot that you have to deal with. But I've experienced the amount of growth that I've experienced in the last three years have just catapulted me into like a whole nother level. Um, I feel like that there are very few people that I couldn't reach out to that would not take, that would, that wouldn't, um, be open to speaking with me because of what I've achieved. Um, I think there's also like a lot of fun parts, like getting to go to like magazine parties. Like my favorite party that I was invited to was the Marie Claire Power Summit where they flew, sent us to a spa in the Berkshires and pampered us like crazy for 36 hours. Um, So, you know, I would do this again because of the growth, because it's opened up a lot of things for me. But because I now know without a doubt, I have... 100% 100% conviction of myself that like I can do anything I want to um, after what I went through. And that is priceless. It's priceless to know at my age of 38 that like now I, I know that I can do this. I don't even I don't have to do this next, but like I can come back to it in five years and know that I that I can um, succeed if I'm on my own. Um, but but I mean, it, mentally, it did take a toll. Like there was a point last year where I was on like literally four medicines to sleep because I had so much anxiety. Like when I was um, selling the company, um, just like the stress, anyone that's gone through a sales process, it's like, it's, it's a burden, you know, to like run a company, not tell your team that you're selling the company. And like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really stressful. So high price to pay, super high reward. Where can we find you? What is up next? I did hear an inkling about a newsletter. Where can we sign up? Tell us all the things. If you're interested in my newsletter, you can go to nataliewalton.com. Uh, it's N-A-T-H. I have an H in my name. A-L-I-E-W-A-L-T-O-N. And you can sign up for my newsletter there. Also, you can follow me on LinkedIn at Natalie Walton. I do post quite frequently. Um, and uh, I do share... Uh, some wisdom for my journey um so follow me there and we'd love to connect well thank you so much for being with me today and being in fellowship and sisterhood with me i think you're phenomenal i think you're phenomenal lexi i'm so happy we had this chat you can listen to you can sit with us episodes on spotify for more information visit our website lexib.com and our linkedin account at lexib and make sure to follow our podcasts on instagram at sit with lexib And don't forget to subscribe to our Spotify channel.